G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Church. If you'd like to know more about our church, uh, you can go to anglicandolby.org.au where you'll find all sorts of resources and information about the life and work of our church. This week's sermon is based around Psalm 121, which reads, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Enjoy the sermon. Well, imagine this. You're travelling through hilly scrub day after day, through fatigue, through boiling hot sun, through cold nights, through constant danger. All around you is rough, hilly terrain, and it reminds you that bandits and wild animals can be lurking in the hills above you, looking down on you. And it also reminds you of how far you still have to go and how far you are away from your home village. Why would someone go through an experience like this? Why would someone go on a journey like this? It doesn't sound like a holiday that you'd find advertised at Flight Centre. The people of Israel regularly went on pilgrimages like this in order to go up to worship. They would go up to the temple a number of times a year in order to worship their God. The psalm we're looking at today is a song of ascent. Psalms 120 through to 134, all of them are songs of ascent. You can see it says um, there, just, just underneath where it says Psalm 121. And they would sing these psalms to one another as they trekked up towards the temple at Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a city built on a hill. And so wherever you approach it from, you have to go upwards, hundreds of metres past the city walls and then onto the top of the city where you will find the Temple Mount. It's a gruelling journey even today, but when you have animals for sacrifice and children in tow and none of the camping gear that we take for granted today, a happy song is helpful. And so in verse 1 of Psalm 121, we read, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. As we journey through Lent, uh, which is a 40-day season from Ash Wednesday through to Easter, we're looking at a new psalm each Sunday, and we're looking at a new theme. Today's theme is help. And so as we look at this ancient Hebrew poem, we'll see that the God of the universe is our helper in times of trouble. At the same time, God is also our general, arming us for battle and sending us into the world, ready to play our part in his mission. So first, let's look at this psalm from the perspective of a pilgrim song. 
The Psalms, as we said last week, are at the heart of the Bible. If you just drop a Bible, like that, if you just drop a Bible, it'll probably open in the middle of the Bible and to the book of Psalms. The Bible is full of history, but it's also full of law codes, lists of sayings, prophecies, poems, and songs, which we call Psalms. The Psalms put into words the emotions we feel as we go through the ups and downs of life. And whether we're ancient pilgrims or just people living in Dolby in 2020, we all need help sometimes. The two key themes in these first four verses are God as helper and God as watchman. Look back at verse 1. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God as helper is a constant theme in this psalm. But we live in a strange cultural moment today where we're desperate for help and independence at the same time. And that's why we get the self-help industry. I want help, but I'm going to do it by myself. The self-help industry is a $10 billion industry annually. But strangely, most people who have bought a self-help book already own another self-help book. So chances are that previous self-help book didn't work very well. We're looking for help, but at the same time, we're fiercely individualistic. This is why men never ask for directions when they're driving. I've driven in circles for hours because I'm too stubborn to ask for help. And Zoe is right there in the passenger seat getting angrier and angrier with me. This is why people will often drown in bills before they get financial help or find themselves drinking, smoking or eating themselves to death before they reach out for help. But asking for help is not a sign of weakness or inadequacy. Verse 2 tells us that our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God has made the world we live in. It's his world and he has made us. We are made in his image for relationship. We are made to give help and to receive it. Some think that God is too busy or too great to be interested in our problems. But here the humble pilgrim looks to the horizon and reminds themselves, my help comes from the Lord. It's a statement of belief, but it's also a personal reminder of where I'm putting my trust. This week, as news reports of coronavirus intensified, many Australians revealed where they put their trust Does anyone want to guess where we put our trust? Yep, toilet paper. Sorbent extra ply. The obvious question of how toilet paper would stop a pandemic is yet to be answered. But here the Bible offers us a much better object for our trust than toilet paper. God. The second description of God that we find in our psalm is God as keeper. The word Shema, um, the Hebrew word Shema, appears six times in these nine verses, again and again. Watch. The word Shema can be translated as watch, but it also means keep. 
guard or protect. We see it in verses 3 and 4. Look with me in your Bibles. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over you, over Israel, will neither slumber nor sleep. The God we're talking about today is a watchful God. He's not lazy or careless. He doesn't tire or doze off. He's so vigilant, he won't even let your foot slip. This God is not just concerned about a single pilgrim, but about the whole people of Israel. Pilgrims would take big risks, risks, not risks, risks of injuring themselves. They might get attacked or raided at night. But they traveled trusting that God was with them every step of the way. And this made all the difference. The word Shema reminds us that God is a watchful and caring God who notices the details of our lives and who won't miss a beat. This is someone we can trust with our whole lives. In the mid-1800s, a captain known as Captain D commanded a vessel sailing from Liverpool to New York. Sometimes his daughter came with him. One night, while everyone was quietly asleep, a storm arose and a huge wave came at the boat, instantly throwing the crew and the ship on its side and waking up all the passengers. Everyone on board was scared. And some sprang to their feet and began to dress, preparing for the worst. Captain D's daughter, just eight years old, woke up with all the rest. What's the matter? The frightened child asked. They told her that a wave had struck the ship. Is my father on deck? She said. Yes, father's on deck. The little thing dropped herself on her pillow again without fear. In a few moments, she was sleeping sweetly in spite of the storm. That's the type of God we're talking about today. A God that we can trust as we lay our heads on the pillow. Verses 5 and 6 tell us that God is a shade from the elements. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Now for you and I, thinking about God as sunscreen and moonscreen seems a little bit ridiculous. For a pilgrim travelling to Jerusalem, however, the threat of sunstroke was life and death. With little water around and no hospitals or flying doctors close by, Pilgrims would have to rely on God to protect them through the heat of the day. Moonlight presented other problems. At nighttime, wild animals or thieves would often attack travellers. People also believed that bad spirits came out at night, and being struck by moonlight would make you crazy. That's where we get the word lunatic from. What God is telling us here is that I will protect you from the elements. Rain, hail or shine, I will watch over you and keep you from injury and harm. The final two verses of this psalm show us that God's love isn't fleeting or temporary. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. 
Friends, the God who gave you life cares about this life. He sees your travels and will be with you into, into eternity. So it's worth getting to know him. Sometimes we think God only cares about the times when I'm doing spiritual or religious things. God's only there when I feel God, when I'm praying or reading the Bible at church. But here we see God is keeping you. God's watchfulness is continuous. The enduring nature of God's protection is a reminder that God isn't concerned about our journeys to and from church or to and from the temple only. God cares about your whole lives. Now, friends, you might be thinking, well, this sounds very cuddly and great, but I don't need God's help. I'm not a pilgrim trekking to a temple, and I'm not afraid of moonlight or spiritual mumbo-jumbo. But friends, we're most complacent when we're in the most danger. Oftentimes when we feel most comfortable in life are times when we're in absolute danger. In a past life, uh, many, many moons ago, uh, I was a swimmer. Um, and I did a crazy type of swimming called open water swimming in rivers, lakes, uh, and in the ocean. And you swim marathons, really, really long swims. In 2007, I just qualified for my first world championship team. I just made it onto the Australian team for the world championships uh, later that year. I swam a 10K race on the first day, and I qualified in the 5K race. And then the following day, I had a 25k race. I was going up to, um, yeah, I was going up to the longest race that I'd ever swum in my life. I woke up the next day, and the race was in St Kilda. Uh, and as you know, Melbourne weather can change four seasons in one day. And this day, it was just nuts. Um, there was chop all over the bay and a strong wind and the temperature had dropped down to 14 degrees. Uh, but they didn't cancel the race, instead it went ahead. And so I jumped into the freezing cold water and I swam straight to the front and felt really, really confident. But slowly I felt more and more tired and people began to pass me. And I got to 21 k's, which was the furthest um, I'd ever raced before, and all of a sudden I was swimming backstroke, and I was looking up to the sky, and then I was looking down to the bottom of the ocean, and I'd been cold and tired for the last couple of hours, but all of a sudden this rush of warmth came over me, and I felt totally at ease as I was being sucked down to the bottom of the ocean. I was drowning. All of a sudden, I looked to the horizon and I saw a flash of yellow. It was my mum in her rain jacket. She jumped out of one of the escort boats and hauled me in to the boat where I passed out. Friends, sometimes when we feel most at comfort, when we feel most at ease, is when we're in most danger. And this is what God does for us. He jumps out the boat and comes and saves us. Friends, we are drowning in sin. We're so deep in our own individualism and pride that we don't notice we're drowning until it's too late. 
Jesus is our only hope. The devil is all too happy to make your life comfortable so long as he can suck you down into hell. But Jesus is the only solution to the sin problem that affects us all. As we read in our gospel passage, Jesus meets with a man at night called Nicodemus. Nicodemus recognises that there is something special about Jesus, but he refuses to see that he needs to be reborn spiritually. He's comfortable with his life. Everything is okay with him. But Jesus tells him, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Nicodemus clearly hears the gospel from the very mouth of Jesus, but he can't see his need for God's help. Psalm 121 is more than an ancient pilgrim song. It's the song of our lives. We're all desperately in need of a saviour. Something or someone who will save us from the pains of life and the deafness of death. Often we look for salvation in the wrong places. But the story of the Bible is the story of a God who makes the world and then comes down to save it. Our help, our salvation comes from God. But God doesn't simply save us for our own sake. God has a mission for us. He picks us up from the gutter, arms us, and then sends us into battle. You see, Psalm 121 was sung by pilgrims. But before it was sung by pilgrims, it was sung by warriors. Psalm 121 is a war cry. And when we think of Psalm 121 as a battle cry for soldiers, as they go to war, it takes on a fresh meaning. You can imagine the commanders shouting to their soldiers, where does your help come from? The response, my help comes from the Lord. The idea of God as watchman guarding the troops from the enemy through the night is a powerful one. The notion is a powerful source of encouragement. You can imagine a young first-time soldier praying this psalm and singing it to them as he faced the possibility of death, reminding himself that God will watch over him in his coming and his going, both now and forevermore. When we see this psalm as a war cry, the image of God as watchman becomes that of a sentry or a security guard, always being vigilant, always ready, never leaving his troops unprotected. You see, sometimes our lives are an upward journey, plagued by setbacks and obstacles. But sometimes life is just a battle. Throughout the Bible, the story of the people of God is told as a journey closer and closer to God. But it's also told as a battle against evil, the evil that surrounds us and also the evil that comes from within, sin. Think of the story of Jesus as a journey, traveling closer and closer towards Jerusalem, facing critics, crushing crowds, and the constant temptation to leave his mission and go and do something more comfortable, go and live an ordinary life. 
Think of the story of Jesus as a battle, confronting demonic forces, illness, hatred, and death. Jesus looked to the hills. He looked towards Jerusalem and knew that that's where he would face the cross. He knew that in order to be a help for his people, he would have to die as their substitute. Psalm 121 isn't a starry-eyed reminder that Jesus is your boyfriend and that you are the centre of the universe. Instead, it's a war cry, rallying God's people around a shared revelation of God's character and sending God's people out to do God's work. Our helper wants us to help others and be part of his saving plan. Friends, imagine how you would live tomorrow if you knew you couldn't lose. Imagine how you would approach life if the fears that hold you back didn't matter to you anymore. Imagine how you would see the world around you if you knew that ultimately all its imperfections, all its sadness would one day be swallowed up. This is the reality we find in Jesus. In Jesus, the battle has been won. The battle belongs to the Lord. In the death and resurrection of Jesus, we find that God is not just our personal assistant making life nice for us. God is our saviour. He helps us out of our godless state and brings us into the joy of his marvellous light. God is our general and he calls us out into the world we live in to help others and to live for him. Jesus isn't calling us to a comfortable life where nothing goes wrong and nothing challenges us. That's not living, that's existing. Instead, Jesus calls us to the battlefront in the knowledge that he is right there by our side. God promises to keep us from all evil, not a cushion life, but a well-armed one. As Christians, our struggle isn't against other people. Our struggle is against ourselves and every force of injustice and oppression that defies God's rule and reign. Our weapons aren't weapons of military might. Our weapons are weapons of kindness, generosity, and the light of the gospel. We follow our leader, Jesus, when life is a journey of ups and downs and when life is a battle. In Jesus, we ultimately have nothing to fear. We all need help through life. In Psalm 121, we are reminded that God is the best help imaginable. In the battles of life, God promises to be our keeper and walk beside us every step of the way. This shouldn't fool us into thinking that we're the centre of the universe and God's only purpose is to bless us and make us feel good. God is inviting us into a mission that is much bigger than that. His mission of saving the world one sinner at a time. May we journey with God as pilgrims in the world and find our place at the battlefront. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord.